Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. My name is Indy, and that man sitting next to me, that's Mr. Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and welcome to the very first session of the 2022 March Meet to Match, um, the, the March <laughs> Indie Game Business Conference, that's what it is. Yes, we're HD 1080p. Uh, this is our 10th conference. Yeah. Is this, that's, that's, that's crazy. Little- terrifying all right so before we get started i just had to share with dan a bit of um something that he'll find entertaining from last night so last night i was the uh one of the end bosses on the at&t unlock challenge and they gave at&t gave a hundred thousand dollars to a team and fifty thousand dollars to another team and then another team got 10 grand um we start out on the front page of twitch twelve thousand. some people Wow. watching this thing uh they get to my introduction and i had my mic muted for like the first 30 seconds or so and everybody is like Jay? i taught him well and i was like <laughs> i was like i am just hoping my producer did not see this because i constantly give him hell because he ends up you know accidentally muting his mic and <laughs> here i am on the front page of twitch and I did it. So yes, you're you're officially, you know, off the hook for at least 48 hours. On right. That so stand with, and with I, that, that many viewers, right? That's like that culminates all of the viewers of all the times I've. Been <laughs> <together>. <laughs> I, I didn't know we were going to be on the front page. That was no. a little bit not as terrifying as actually having to pick a winner. Um, but oh my god, it was it, it was good times, and I completely muted my mic in front of God and everybody. All right, so and I know you were wearing an indie game business hoodie, weren't you? I don't have an. I, well, we're working on it. I don't have them yet. We're mm-hmm. we're working on that part. No, I I actually had no hat. I was I had my hair styled. Oh wow! My wife said I was pretty. All right, so um, <laughs> we've got two days of back-to-back sessions. Of course, if you want to do the meetings, the meeting passes are still available as well. There's over 150 some companies in there. Uh, those are 60 bucks now. Um, but if you use the code friend of IGB, it knocks 20% off of that. Uh, and remember, if you want the decks and presentations from all of these sessions, go ahead and get a ticket all you need is the free one. Just get the free pass and you will be completely set. And after it's all, all said and done, uh, Dan will email you all of the slide decks. So, mm-hmm. yes. And also uh, wonderful. Thank you so much to our two sponsors, AWS and EdgeGap. And with that, 
let's get this going. So first up, we have, gosh, I'm going to do it. Kamel, Come on. go ahead and bring it in before I screw this up. I'm going to do it, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I told you I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, thanks, Jay. Thanks, Dan. Hi, everybody. This is Kamal Aita, CEO of Game Hermits. And I'm really a CEO. <laughs> and right. I'm really happy. Uh, so we're here. going to get out of your way. I was just going to say the, the floor is yours. Teach us. And we'll be here. Dan will be back in just a little bit to get questions for you and have fun. Yeah, have fun. Right. Yeah, what, what we'll do is we'll pop up questions at the end at the end of your presentation. If there's questions from the chat, I'll come in. We'll bring them up. We'll feel them. We'll ask you a bunch of sensitive stuff that you don't want to answer and uh, all that kind of good stuff. Oh, boy. Can't wait. <laughs> all right. Um, so hi everyone. Um, this session is about outsourcing. Um, so I hope you can see my screen right now. Um, so uh, this session is about effective outsourcing for indie and mid-size studios, um, aka how to cut your production cost like a pro. Uh, so first things first. I'm Kamal Aita. I'm founder and CEO of Game Hermits. Game Hermits is a outsourcing uh, game studio in Egypt, based in Egypt. We've been working for six years, uh, almost seven years now. Um, we've helped uh, countless uh, studios and entrepreneurs make their games or interactive applications. Um, and we've grown to see all kinds of clients and all kinds of uh, ways that people expect outsourcing to behave or uh, be uh, applicable in their uh, businesses. And we've identified what's the best uh, uh, way to make outsourcing work right and cut production costs with it. So this is what I'm going to present today. So uh, at the table of content here today, we have, um, first we'll talk a, a bit about the business journey uh, for indie game businesses and mid-sized uh, studios. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about indie production. Um, and then we're going to dive into how to outsource as an indie studio or as a mid-sized studio. And then uh, after that, I'll give life examples from uh, the, our recent projects uh, that I find really interesting because they were big projects. So first things first, uh, indie startups journey. So a startup journey is a little bit different from the indie startup journey. Um, the only difference is that we start with an idea. Um, most startups, uh, they, they, they search for target audience first, and then they see what problem they have, and they try to solve that problem. And this way, they can make their products uh, easier to market. And they ensure that they have uh, a target audience before they start. Well, indie game studio, it's not uh, as quite uh, quite as simple as this or straightforward as this. We start with an idea. We indie game studio, indie games, and mid size mid size studios are really uh, fueled with uh, passion for ideas and experimental mechanics and gameplay. This is this is what we are. So we start with an idea, and then we immediately search for our target audience for this idea. 
which is our players here. Um, when we find, if we find a target audience that can, um, that needs this type of game mechanics or this type of idea, uh, aka demand, um, when they have a demand, we can then proceed to see, okay, how do we turn this game into a business? What is our business canvas? What is our business plan? Uh, we can even throw in some uh, financial statements and, and, and financial studies. If we are going to uh, pursue or search for investment, we need these, uh, obviously. Uh, all of which we're developing uh, our prototype, uh, which is going to be um, an incremental process of trial and error, trial and error on different gameplay mechanics. So once we have the prototype, we can then start sharing around uh, with people, uh, look, this is our game, it's this, this and that, it's uh, supposed to be new in this, what do you think? And we get feedback from players and we hold uh, multiple play sessions and so on and so forth. Uh, when we reach beta, this is like the MVB, and the and the traditional startups, the MVB is like a, a product with minimal viable uh, functions, and it has partial payment. For indie studios, it can have partial payment. We call it early access, uh, or it can, if it's free to play, we can't really put any microtransactions in there because it doesn't make sense somehow. But I've seen a couple of games do that, and they do that really good. Uh, and then, of, obviously, if we uh, if if we're lucky and and we have a loyal fan base, we can then release the game, and uh, hopefully, it's a success. So, with that said, where do we fit outsourcing in this? Uh, to answer this question, we need first to say to see what's the production like in the indie uh, in the indie journey. So. Um, it starts with three barrel lines. This is uh, the most, how can I say it? This is the, the, the proven way that we've tried with indie uh, businesses over and over again. And, and this is how they get things done really fast. So you draw three separate lines. There's the design, there's the art, there's the, dev, the development. So the design is that... Everything from writing, from designing, game designing the game, from UX, from UI, um, you really want to keep this separate, but you want to give it a first priority because um, you're going to have to make core ideas, experimental mechanics, you're going to try a lot of mechanics and only a handful of the mechanics that you've written or designed will make it in the prototype or the beta. So, so the design is the most important part in 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 early stages of obviously, and it's where you're going to be able to cut your production later on because um, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to involve outsource studio in the design process since the design process is your vision in the game or of the game. So uh, you shouldn't bring outsourced uh, studios into the vision 
until it's ready and you know exactly what you want from the game. Uh, for the art, obviously, you need to have clear vision from the design process, and you have you need to have clear aesthetic. Uh, we've had a couple of um, clients before that they said, "Okay, we want a realistic game," and that was their description uh, for the art of the game. So, realistic game doesn't mean it's 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 an archetype. It it doesn't define what's the aesthetic of the game. So you have The Last of Us 2, for example. Uh, it's very different aesthetic from, say, for example, um, Call of Duty, the, the latest Call of Duty or Battlefield. Uh, it's also uh, not a, it's it's not similar to Assassin's Creed, for example. They ha they have they're all under the archetype of realistic, but they have different aesthetic. So uh, this is a very important thing to, to consider. Uh, you have to find what exactly are you trying to reach before you uh, uh, do any outsourcing. Uh, regarding the development, um, the development is, is actually the, 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 the things that you can cut production cost on and the things that you should um, if you don't have enough workforce, you should consider uh, really consider outsourcing because um, outsource studios are they have they most often they have exper experience experienced teams in the development side. Um, they can build you scalable and easy to maintain systems. Uh, for example, we had this uh, client before, and they have built a system that is designed specifically for their game. But it was very, very hard to maintain. It was very rigid to the point where we actually had to uh, offer them that we're going to replace their system with a completely new system. Um, this was one of the bad examples of outsourcing because they had worked, they had worked on the game, uh, not through an, a professional or experienced lens, and uh, that resulted in a system that you can't really work with. Uh, so they had to pay extra uh, in their game, in, in, in the production budget, they had to pay extra just to replace the system that was already working but can't scale. And they really needed to scale their game. So um, the, the development needs to be always scalable, always maintainable. It shouldn't be... Um, designed just specifically to meet the job of today. Um, about the Agile workflow on indie features. So it really starts with an idea, as we said, for a feature, for example, uh, how, how the player going to move, how the camera going to move, uh, what's the AI that's uh, working against the player looks like, is their cooperative AI. A lot of ideas in the indie game business. Um, with this idea, we start to research this idea and see what really... Um, has anyone ever done this idea? If so, how did they do it? And what was the reaction of, of, of the players for this idea? Uh, and from this, we can compile all of uh, the feedback, the the how hard it is to implement this idea is it even 
feasible on the platform that we're developing on. And then we can uh, come to the decision of, okay, we can work on this idea or we can try to um, readjust the idea to meet the specification that we want. Um, so, so once the research is done, we then get to prototyping. Uh, all of this workflow shouldn't have any outsourcing. Uh, we're still in the, the, the core team is still uh, working on different mechanics and seeing what they want to do. Uh, they're not really sure um, what's going to be to end up in the final version of the game or the released version of the game. So you shouldn't still outsource or use any outsourcing services. You should do this part uh, yourself and make sure that you have prototyped different mechanics and you have uh, performed play testing sessions on these mechanics, if either alone or within the game, integrated in the game. And then um, you will keep in this cycle until you are satisfied and you feel like, okay, this mechanic is good. It, it, it translates our vision in the game and it looks uh, good. It looks good. On, it, it runs smoothly. It's not... Um, uh, causing any troubles, it's not buggy, and all of that stuff. Once you approve a feature, you begin to integrate it in production version. This is where you can outsource. And of course, depending on the types of the outsource that we're going to um, talk about, uh, this is where you uh, get to cut production cost. So um, types of outsourcing. So we have three types of outsourcing. There is the full cycle, the development, and the art. Uh, the full cycle is for game designers and non-technical entrepreneurs. Um, this is the type we work with the most. Uh, here in the MENA and internationally, uh, we get a lot of clients that are saying, hey, I, I'm a game designer, I have this uh, GDD, the game design document, and I want this game to be done. Um, what's, what should I do? Uh, I don't want to hire people. I don't want to manage people. Uh, this is actually a very interesting way to make games. Uh, it's becoming more and more reliable now because you get to... Um, you get to clear all the overhead uh, of managing a staff, uh, managing offices, uh, uh, get down to legal work and HR. All of these things are obstacles in front of you that you need to be very careful when deciding or, or planning for your game. So with outsourcing, uh, the outsource studio just takes care of all of that, and all you have to do is just uh, focus on your game, uh, focus on your vision, and focus on the marketing of your game and the PR. So uh, uh, with that said, if you're a game designer or a non-technical entrepreneur and you're looking to make your game, it's better to, um, if we go back, it's better to do this cycle with someone uh, that you know or even hire a core team uh, for this for this. Uh, uh, Agile workflow thing. Uh, the core team is not going to be a big team. It's just going to be people who know how to implement 
the mechanics that you want in your game. And then they can build you this cycle and you can play and test. And once you get approved uh, on all the features that you want, you can then outsource to an experienced studio that will make uh, that will do the job well done. Uh, what about the development? The development outsource is really simple. It's straightforward. Um, we had people who, who have offline games. They wanted uh, to make it or port it uh, into an online version. Uh, we helped with that. We do networking, uh, servers, and backend, um, and multiplayer, obviously. Um, there are people who wanted to lay down the, 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 the core systems that they're going to build the game on. Um, we also helped uh, a client before with this one. Um, and also you have tools and add-ons. Um, if you want special tools outside the engine that you're working on um, to help you out with things uh, like, for example, rendering special effects outside the rendering pipeline of the engine, we can do that as well. Uh, and, and obviously a lot of... Uh, outsource studios work specifically for the tools and add-ons because um, the game industry is quite big and it's really hard to do everything your own, on your own. Um, lastly, but, uh, lastly, the art. Uh, the most um, famous and popular thing in outsourcing is the art. Uh, you can outsource concept art, 3D art art, animations, visual effects. Um, you can also outsource music and sound effects. There's a lot of things that you can outsource uh, that include that which is not development uh, based. But the thing here, don't outsource things um, without, without having an experienced uh, person on your team. Um, so for example, if you're going to outsource concept art, you should have a concept artist on your team. Or if, it, if, if it's you, then uh, th this is good. Um, uh, this concept artist is going to act as a art director for your game because you need to validate this art. The outsourcing uh, studios, they usually don't involve too much in, in your vision. They don't get um, to the, how do you say it? They don't get into details about the, your game. They, they, they take what you need and they work on it and then they deliver. So uh, you need to have a concept artist who's going to validate their work and uh, act as a mentor, not mentor, um, someone who oversees how they how they get things done, uh, how the files are um, uh, listed and and appropriately uh, named, um, whether the art assets that the that the outsourcing uh, studio is capable of being reused. Uh, this is obviously a very important po uh, point because of before I. Before we become an outsourced studio, we've worked with outsourced studios. And one major problem that we found is that they deliver things exactly as they want you, as you want, as you uh, uh, described. So it's 
very uh, important to always describe that this art asset is going has to be capable of uh, being reused because reusing assets is actually one of the biggest things that uh, cut production uh, costs uh, in in the game development uh, pipeline um, let's get to outsourcing workflow now you know when to outsource uh, parts of your game whether it's full cycle whether it's development whether it's art uh, there are the, the, the things the thing is you need to be clear about the end product and you need to be clear about the aesthetic and art direction um, so whatever you type of outsourcing you want to do there is three workflow which are the best workflows we've worked in uh, that you can use outsourcing to cut production. So there's the separate workflow workforce, which is um, the most traditional outsourcing. You have a detailed specification document. You have a clear version. You have a comparison, uh, uh, like a reference that you can compare to. And you have a clear timeline milestones. This is the, like the ideal situation. When you have all of these points done, outsourcing is going to cut as much as 50%, if not more, of production cost because you already know what you need, exactly what you need. So there's no um, rework. There's no really big obstacles uh, in front of you. You have everything sorted out. You just need workforce to get the job done. So I think... Um, I say if if you have all of these and you can then uh, compare what it will, what it's going to cost you uh, to hire a workforce or a team to 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 do this job for you uh, against what would it cost you if you're going to outsource and um, eighty percent out of, uh, of the time is going to be uh, uh, way less if you outsource the, the 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 job to an outsource studio, even as an indie. Now, for the integrated team, um, this is like this is a workflow that we we we, we really uh, like and we love because we are indie developers ourselves. We work on original IPs, and we feel that this is the most um, the most reliable thing or workflow for indie studios uh, which is how to integrate the outsource team into your team so that they are all one manageable team one manageable big team um, so for this to work perfectly you need to have a detailed G game design document you need to have a detailed and manageable agile sprint um, and then you need to have an aligned vision with the work uh, with the outsourcing uh, studio, and you need to specify a deadline. So what this workflow is is that uh, a representative of the outsourced studio will show up to this to to your team sprint uh, meetings, and they will share. Uh, they, they will dive into the details of your vision and your um, game. But the thing here is that the management of the outsourcing team itself 
is separate from yours. So you have to rely the art tasks. If if you're having more than uh, one like development and art, you have to rely all the tasks to this representative, which is going to be which is going to be a project management. He is going or they would, uh, are going to be a project management themselves in their uh, outsourcing studio. You get the point. So a project management and the outsourcing team is attending your sprint uh, meeting. They get what they need to work uh, on your game, and then they have their internal sprint meeting, and they rely this. This workflow uh, works great with indie studios because um, it allows flexibility with trial and error. Right now, um, we've worked with a couple of indie studios before. They had a clear vision, a clear aesthetic, and they wanted exactly what uh, they knew exactly what they wanted from the game. But the feedback wasn't really that good. Like the feedback was mixed, um, more to negative actually. So they had to change things. And because we were working uh, like this, like an integrated team inside their team, we were able to quickly um, establish new iterations and uh, iterate on new mechanics that they haven't really uh, thought they would need to work on. This way, they actually kept production cost minimum because there were five. Uh, their team was five, and we were 12. So they didn't need to hire all 12. They only hired us as an entity. And because we are were integrated in their team, they were like uh, 17, a team of 17 working on their game. So this is really interesting. I think indie studios uh, and mid studios can benefit, especially indie studios can benefit from this workflow. The last one is uh, more for mid-sized studios. It's the linear timeline, which will be, um, this is what we see most in in, in mid-studios and uh, bigger studios, not AAA, uh, but bigger studios. Um, the linear timeline is basically, it's not really agile, it's just you have blocks of job or, or tasks that needs to be done before other tasks. And you group them and you, you you hire an outsource studio to do them and then you have an accepting uh, criteria that okay once this job is done this way this is it you can then release the outsourcing uh, team and you you get to cut your production cost like this Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. So you're, in this workflow, your team, your development team isn't really um, 
uh, static. It's not like we are 17 people working on this, or we are 20 people working on this, or we are 50 people working on this. Uh, we are, it's going to be like, uh, we are minimum 10 people working on this. This is the core team. This is the most experienced people in your team. And then the you hire outsourcing studios and freelancers, for example, to work on parts of your game in different time periods. So, for example, for the core uh, systems, we're going to hire an outsourcing studio. Uh, it's going to provide five uh, engine programmers, for example. They will uh, work on the core systems that supports the game. And then we release this outsourcing uh, studio, and then we hire another outsourcing studio for the art, and so on and so forth. Uh, this is a bit tricky, but when done right, uh, it, it actually exceeds 50% uh, production uh, cut on production costs. Uh, and the right way to do it is to have the specific feature list. Specific feature list is actually a specific feature list is is derived from a demo that you that you implement. So you need to make a demo of the game. Um, not not just one level, not even a playable demo, just a demo that has every part of the uh, of your system in place. But it's a demo. It's not production code. It's not scalable. It's not maintainable. Uh, same time for the art, uh, not the final animations. But you have to uh, produce a, a mock game that has everything that will be present in your game so that you know exactly what you need before you start hiring outsource studios. Uh, once you have this specific feature list, you can then group them into uh, into blocks of of features. Like, for example, uh, block A is going to be the core systems. This is the the uh, list of features that define how the game is going to be rendered, how how the physics is going to work, uh, the optimization of the game and so on and so forth. Block B, for example, is going to be about animations and VFX. Block C is going to be about 3D or 2D art, and so on. Uh, once you do that, you'll find that um, you have really cut the production cost of your game uh, quite substantially. And uh, it's really, it's really, um, it releases a lot of the risk involved in the game industry because uh, you're minimizing the production cost to as as much as you can and so you can actually uh, either go independent or draw investment yourself so um with that said let's go and dive into uh, life examples we have three projects the first project is um, an oil refinery simulator this project was done just a couple of weeks ago. Um, the client here knew exactly what they wanted. They had a reference. They knew uh, what features to include. Uh, they had a detailed scenarios about the what the player is going to do or what the user is going to do inside the game uh, or application. And they had a specific deadline that they wanted the, the, the application to be delivered on. 
this is this is ideal situation. We literally just uh, went through this project like a pre like a breeze. Uh, it was so easy. There were no obstacles whatsoever. Um, nothing lost was lost in the communication uh, between us because uh, what what we didn't understand verbally from them, uh, they were able to compensate that with their specific feature list. So when they said uh, we want the user to be able to interact with anything inside the oil refinery. We didn't understand what anything mean meant. Is it like uh, light bulbs and 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 random uh, things in in the oil refinery, or is it just the actual things that the player needs to do to complete a scenario? But we found that we they they had a detailed feature list about the things that the player can uh, interact with. And that helped uh, bridge uh, or, or, or um, smoothen the communication between the both of us. And so this was a very good and interesting project that we've worked on. It was very smooth. Um, this project, it's uh, it was one of the toughest projects we've worked on because um, the deadline was very near. Um, they had to deliver in like three months and uh, we had to work within these three months actually we had to deliver before the three months but the thing is they didn't have the back end uh, of the game of the of the game uh, finished and they didn't have a detailed feature list they didn't know what what exactly is go the game is going to look like at the end and I understand that sometimes you're 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 confused about um, how the game is going to look at the end, but at least there are core things that you need to list in order for your game to be your game, not someone else's game. So they didn't even do that. So we end up reworking a lot of things. We ended up uh, reworking the models, reworking um, these. These weren't uh, the older models. Uh, we ended up reworking the entire UX experience, and they ended up uh, doubling on their budget for to, to, to hire us. And that was a full cycle. So we did the art, we did the development, we did the 3D, we did everything. So it actually didn't. It actually cost them more than if they would have to hire. Uh, a team to work on it. Uh, this is one of the uh, worst examples to work in an outsourcing. And uh, truth to be told, we, we we told them and we warned them before they come to us, you are not ready for outsourcing. You need to uh, define this, this, this and that. But they didn't listen. They wanted things done fast. And uh, rushing anything is, isn't really the right answer to game development. So what what ended up happening is that they 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 paid more than they would do if they just hired someone to work on it. And the last project is just still under development. It's a VR game uh, for the metaverse. Uh, we're not sponsoring McDonald's or anything, just the shot. <laughs> Anyways, the VR, this VR game is about a city that you can build and trade 
cryptocurrency on and stuff like that. Uh, but the thing is, here we're working partially, we're just working on the environment. We're not working on the back end or the blockchain technology. Um, this example is a bit tricky because the, the client knows the end result of the uh of the of his project but the problem is his project it has no references it's uh it's a brand new project no one has done this before or no one has released something like this before so we have to scrap like to scrap references from other vr games but it's not quite what he wants so the communication here is uh poor but the thing that compensates is that the client is actually responsive in the communications. They, he, he actually um, calls us daily and uh, he, he, he monitors us uh, on everything we do. Okay, I don't want this, I don't want that, I want this and that. And this actually helps us uh, get things done. So he is an example of an integrated uh, workflow. He integrated himself with our team. Uh, he actually uh, like attend our sprint meetings uh, and see, okay, what has the team uh, worked on this sprint and how we can improve it. How are we uh, on the right time to meet our deadlines? Uh, what is the quality uh, of the game? Uh, all of these things are within the integrated workflow. So he actually saved himself uh, more than 40% uh, on production if he would just uh, uh, hire a full team to, to work on his game because our, the, 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 the team members that are working on this game right now are nine. Uh, some of them are 3D, some of them are programming, some of them are UX designers uh some of them are environment designers and so if he if he would to hire this many staff he would need uh to to manage all of them or hire someone to manage them and then he would have a lot of obstacles to face like the hr uh, legal uh, work uh, financial work and so on and so forth but he the way he did it was really clever. He integrated himself. Uh, he let us know, of course, that he will be integrating himself with our team, and we have absolutely no. Uh, um, we, we 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 actually like this, and uh, this way he could monitor everything that's happening as if we were her te his, his team. The only difference is he gets to uh, get away from all the overhead from managing the team and he just gets to monitor and ensure that his vision is uh, is uh, we are doing or making the game according to his vision so the these were the three examples um from the ideal the worst and the average that is um actually what actually happens in the real world and um, yeah, I think um, I think I hopefully I hope that you have a better idea on how to outsource as an indie studio, and that um, it's really feasible as an indie to to 
outsource or use outsourcing services um, unlike the outsourcing services that is uh, meant for AAA, which actually isn't <laughs> any of the workflows that we've uh, mentioned. It's much bigger and much more complicated. So um, yeah, I'm finished with uh, this uh, presentation and... Um, Excellent. Well, we have got a bunch of questions for you, Kamal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to work backwards. Uh, right. So I'm going to work backwards. So Jax Coder, what should I learn to make advanced game mechanics? This is not particularly about an outsourcing question, but this is more yeah. a question about game dev. Yeah. So um, I would say if you want to make advanced game mechanics, uh, you have to nail down the basics. So uh, if you're a gameplay programmer, just nail down uh, your understanding of OP, solid principles, uh, the engine that you're working with, whether it's Unity, whether it's Unreal, uh, CryFi, whatever the engine is. And then uh, try to make these things without following any tutorials. I, uh, this is how I learned. Uh, obviously, I'm not uh, much of a uh, technical guy right now. Um, I've dropped technicalities to my team and focused more on business, but this is how I used to do it. And uh, yeah. That's good stuff. Okay. Um, and that makes sense too. Oh, here we go. Uh, Mac Alina, are you currently accepting new clients? And how can I follow up? All right. Uh, so we're always accepting clients and uh, just type gamehermits.com and you'll find us uh, first uh, on Google. You can also follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter um, and LinkedIn, obviously. Uh, should I drop some links here? Oh, can I, I drop? I just dropped in links in the chat Great. there. Hopefully, <laughs> people can. It's gamehermits.com. That's that's an easy one to remember. Okay, so yeah. here we go. Let's. Uh, and you kind of answered this with one of your clients, but how how often? Like, what's the how often are you checking in with clients and doing reviews? Like, what's the standard? I know that's yeah. different. Like you said, that one guy you talk to him every week. Right? Yeah. Yeah, every sprint. Yeah, so we we the way we work in Game Hermits, we want people, or we want clients to be integrated with our team. It's better to it is the best thing to ensure that uh, what we're making is actually what they want. But some clients they just, they just don't they don't want that. They want to say to drop in every couple of weeks or something and say, okay, how's things going? Oh, good. All right, peace out. And um, so, yeah, it, it really depends on the client uh, themselves. Um, from our end, we like to give a report every week, every sprint, uh, which is a week. Right, every week. That's a, that's a, that's so that's the standard, right? Yeah, yeah. Just once yeah. a week. All right. Let's see here. What are some of the lengths of your longest? And shortest projects. Let's let's hear the extremes. Like, what's the longest yeah. time you're in production, and what's the shortest time? So the shortest time in production was actually one week. <laughs> it was a very very basic 2D game, and it was one of the uh, first projects that we've ever done as a outsourcing studio. Um, the longest in production so far is uh, about eight months now. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, which is uh, the second client 
the one which is the worst case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, they wanted the deadline in three months. We gave them the demo in three months, but it really took eight months, and we just finished with them like a month ago. So. This is That's um, awesome, and they were happy with their. Uh, with they were their happy with the final end. With the, of course, they were happy. But the, right. the thing is, if they had planned better, it wouldn't take eight months. Right. So, so it all it, a, a lot of it has to do with planning. So exactly. much of it has to do with planning. Right? Yeah, we actually we actually help with planning, but they just mm -hmm. didn't listen, and they said, "No, we were going to work like this." Right. Well, some people, you know, they pay you and then you just do what they, I've learned that, right? Like sometimes I'll get hired for something and then um, somebody wants me to do something a certain way. And I'm like, well, we should probably do it this way, but you know, they want me to do it their way. So I'm getting paid by them. It's, you yeah, know, so yeah. I just do it, you know? We and actually, we actually, yeah, we actually um, suggest on them the best way. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it's, it's up to them to decide. Whether right, to right. take on the best route or not. Because that's the thing. When you hire somebody, you're hiring them for their, not just that they can do it, but for their ex expertise in whatever exactly. it is they're, that exactly. they're doing. Okay, here we go. Can you tell us some differences in the contracts, like when you work from people from another country as opposed to working with somebody from Egypt, which is obviously your country? Yeah. yeah. So um, we're working with clients in uh, United Arab Emirates. We're working with people in Europe, uh, uh, Sweden and uh, the UK, uh, the way it works is that um, we have different, uh, we have two uh, contracts, one here in Egypt and one here, one there in UK. But we mm -hmm. also, we always advise to have the contracts uh, in your own country uh, because Egypt doesn't have a strong uh, laws to, to um, how do you say it, uh, protect, the IP uh, legally. So we always advise, okay, you have the, uh, uh, the contract in your, in your uh, country and we will be uh, signing as if we're working in your country. This is how we mm -hmm. do it uh, most of the times. I wonder how the legalities of that are. I'm sure you guys have spoken with an attorney and all yeah, that good yeah. stuff about it. Uh, so here we go. Uh, this is this is kind of a follow-up of a, about your longest project your team has worked on and some of the hurdles. I know you already talked about some of the hurdles. Uh, is there Was there any more things? Was there any more like things that just happened along the production line and you're like, oh my goodness. And yeah. So um, in the, in the, in the worst example that I've talked about, uh, it was, it's a game called Transformance. Uh, and, the thing about this game was that it had a couple of features. Uh, the biggest feature was it's connected to a sort of a RISTful API. And this API wasn't really finished. So we had to plan the game as if the API was finished. And then we had to test the game without actual data coming from the server. So we actually had to uh, work on an extra system that provides random data as if it's coming from the server. But it actually went to, um, we, we, we did this so that when they build their servers, it's integrated as smooth as possible. And that's mm -hmm. what happened actually. Uh, we didn't um, tell them about <laughs> what we did because 
we were sure that if they if we told them they would say no don't work on something extra focus on what we've said and what we've agreed on doing uh, they were a little bit of hard clients but then when we worked like that and they did the api uh, the integration was very smooth to the point where they were actually uh, surprised wait what that's it three days and we're done uh, so yeah, this was one of the hardest things we had to. So you just kind of had to predict what the API would be like and uh, yeah. go from there. Right. That's interesting. Uh, so here we go. What is the most efficient way to communicate with the team that you are um, that you're out that you're outsourcing for? Like, do you guys use email, Discord, phone calls? Um, any any instant chatting platform and Zoom. Mm -hmm. And Zoom. Just we, we we yes and Zoom. Any 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 kind of video conference or or instant chatting. Um, emails doesn't really cut it off because some sometimes you need to an instant reply like, uh -huh. hey, uh, what's this going to be? So we usually set up um, uh, like get our clients in things like Discord or mm -hmm. something. Uh, with an instant chat so that they can chat with us at any time. Yeah, because emails sometimes, especially when you're working with people of different time zones, you send them an email and then they don't get yes. it to, to the next day. And then they exactly. send you an email and then by then it's three or four days and it was exactly. just a simple yes or no, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, what yeah. a pain. So yeah, Discord is Discord is a lifesaver when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, Discord. All right, let's see here. Oh, this is a great one. What tools do you use to manage your outsourced contractors or clients? Um, what exactly do you mean manage? Is that like, is it about? Do, do you uh, use like Google Docs? Do you, you is there a, like some kind of a CRM program that you use? We use ClickUps. ClickUps. Click, okay. ClickUps. Yeah, we use that for any sort of management. Uh, we've been using it lately. It's very, uh, it's, it's amazing actually. And uh, just the traditional Excel sheet with everyone <laughs> spaced in different mm -hmm. sheets. So, yeah. And that works great. So you have like 30 clients, right? And then uh... it works great. <laughs> uh, it works great until you have 30 clients. But w what we do is that uh, we have like an, We've built like a small uh, program that actually, when when the when the job is done, we take this data and throw it mm -hmm. in in our database uh, on the website on our website on servers, so that uh, the Excel sheet stays under minimum maximum ten sheets. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so do you when you're working with somebody or a company or a person or whatever, is there like a point of contact in your team, or does that person like have full access to everybody? No, there is a point of contract, of contact. Okay. Yeah, it's always point of contact because uh, it makes things easier this way. Right. Right. Uh, there's too. What is it? What's that saying? Too many people. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, here we go. How do you decide on your pricing? So it's um, we have fixed pricing. It's uh, it's a range between twenty one and twenty six dollars per hour, uh, and it's all uh, according to the state of of our country, whether mm -hmm. it's be, becoming a 
like it's all based on the USD. Is it is it is it going up? Is it going down? And but we don't exceed actually uh, like twenty six dollars per hour because that would make it too expensive here for Egypt, and it's just it's easier for you than to just hire someone from your own country. Right. So like, is that 26 or whatever per hour for every person that's on your team or for just no, hours that's of just production? for the whole time, for the whole team for production. Okay. Well, here's another question. And this is totally, it has nothing to do with game development, but is the price of fuel there going rising as well? Like the price of gas, when you go to fill up your Everything car? is rising. Right. <laughs> Everything like, is rising. It's, 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 it's insane. Yeah, everything. That's, that's what's happening here. Like I think the last I looked, our gas here was four dollars and something. And, oh yeah. But in other places, I know it's like five and six dollars. It's right? it's actually it's actually rising in Saudi Arabia and the in the United Emirates. How oh. how is it even possible? I don't know. I don't know. So how much does gas cost there in U.S. dollars? Here in Egypt. Uh huh. I can't say for uh, in, in 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 USD, but it's uh, it, it has seen growth over three the, the three the last three years, two hundred and fifty percent. So that's, that's well, our our gas prices went up like just in a couple of weeks. Yes, right? yes. I think this is because the latest news. Uh, uh, um, like our hearts is with uh, everyone in Ukraine. So mm-hmm. I think this is the main reason right right okay so we just got another question here from uh jane at layer from on youtube how do you easily source third-party license ip if you are tasked with reskinning a game um reskinning in the game actually we uh recommend you have you figure out the licensing before you come to us because this just puts extra obstacles in front of us mm-hmm. So if I understand the, the question correctly, you want to see how are we going to deal with the license if we're going to make a rescanning of a game, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, the licensing stays uh, with you. Uh, we don't do anything. We just rescan the game. Is that, is that, is that what, you, what you're asking? I'm not quite sure. How do you easily source third-party license IP if you're tasked with rescanning a game? I don't. That's that sounds like a a good answer. Hopefully, excuse me. Answer. My allergies, allergies. Uh, it's that right. time of the season, right? It is. Well, I got another one. Oh, geez. Just, um, just don't hold back. Just hold it back. Oh, where do you? No, go? don't hold back. Don't hold it back. Just yeah, because your your ears will explode. <laughs> Where do yeah. you go to advertise and promote your services as an outsourcing studio? Uh, obviously, events. Um, outsourcing is very tricky when it comes to marketing because um, if you just make like ads on LinkedIn or Facebook, for example, um, it's very niche audience. So you're not really sure is if it's going to reach them correctly or not. We've tried this and we had no luck. But what we do is that um, we have a meetings. Uh, it's more of a business development than marketing. So we have meetings, we go to events, we speak to people, we see what they want, uh, uh, what they need, um, 
and then we offer them a customized service for them. And since we are a full cycle studio, we can pretty much do everything. We work in VR, mobile, PC, art, development, anything. So we are easily able to customize an offer for the, the people that we, we talk to. I'm still muted from my sneezing. There we go. A uh, question from Discord. How do you evaluate the quality of a potential outsource studio? All right. So there are three. This is a very good question, actually. There's three uh, criteria. First, if they suggest better uh, alternatives for you, uh, that means they really care about the details. Second, if they know the the exactly the details of your project as you describe them. So some outsource studios they do uh, that we've worked with, they do uh, they, they they see the genre, they see the uh, premise of the game, and then say, okay, it's like this other project that we've done. So here's a template of an answer that we've given to a previous client. Um, this thing is um, you feel like it's robotic, but when the answer that you're giving to each of your question is uh, really specific, specific for your game or your project, that means they really paid attention to the document or the details that you talked about. And the last criteria is obviously their uh, previous work, what they worked with. But um, as an outsource studio, we sign a lot of NDAs. Um, Obviously, that's uh, that's like a default. Uh, you should always sign in India with any outsource studio that you work with. Uh, so a lot of our projects actually not on our uh, website because we can't actually share them. So Ooh, um, top secret stuff, top secret yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. it's uh, it's actually a, it's a bit annoying, but I understand uh, why the clients would want uh wouldn't want their projects to be on our website so yeah uh just have a chat with whoever runs the the, the studio uh or the point of contact and see for yourself whether they are paying attention to what you're saying how fast will they reply to you with an offer uh are they going to like keep uh uh like knocking on your door uh, how, how, maybe they will uh, give you better alternatives for or solutions. Um, all of these things, oh, obviously check their LinkedIn, see who's working with them. All of these things really help uh, evaluate whether the, the, the outsource studio is actually... And reach out to people that have worked with them before, right? Yes, yes. yes. But uh, due to NDA, it might right. get a little tricky. Well, reach out to, I mean, like, obviously there's some sites, some projects you can put up there, right, that show. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, yeah reach yeah. out to those people. So I'm going to answer one question real quick. Jax Coder says, how can I find a good publisher for my game? And the I've got an answer. I'm going to post it in chat right here. At the Powell Group Consulting, which runs Indie Game Business, we have a large list of publishers. Uh, powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash lists. And I just posted that up in there. Thank you so much, Kamal. We've got our next, our next. Thank you uh, very We've much. got a panel. This is an AMA panel, uh, Indie Publishing AMA. And it's got uh, Chuck, someone from Chucklefish, 
someone from Raw Fury and someone from Fellow Traveler. All amazing publishers. All amazing publishers. I know, I'm sure everyone's got their favorite of which publisher that is. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kamal. Join our Discord, everybody. Discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. We're going to get Kamal in there. So if you've got any more questions about outsourcing, um, come on in. Thank All you, right. Kamal. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.